I'm Jeff Cohen. Today our listeners get the treat of a double journey to Jewish observance. Our guests today are David and Shira Schwartz who grew up in a conservative shul but found their way to Orthodox Judaism. We'll hear each of their stories, how a certain Kirov trip completely changed their Jewish destiny, and how they've continued to grow as a couple. David and Shira, welcome to Saturday to Shabbos. Thank you. Hey Jeff, thanks. All right, so Shira, let's start with you and give our listeners a sense of where you were born and raised. I was born in Rockaway, New Jersey. I have to say New Jersey because a lot of people, especially in the from world, think Rockaway, New York or Far Rockaway. And I grew up going to a non-denominational Hebrew school. I'm one of six kids and I'm the fifth in the line. And I went to that Hebrew school up until fourth grade. My parents kind of gave me a decision to either continue with the Hebrew Academy or go to public school. Because at the time, my oldest siblings were about to enter college. So it was kind of like a decision of, if you wanted to continue on, we can support you in that. Or if you wanted to go to public school, it'll kind of help financially, so to speak. So I decided on my own, I actually remember sitting at my kitchen table and making a pros and cons list of going to public school versus going to staying in the Hebrew school. I decided to go to the public school and I started in fifth grade. And then as I was going through the public school, I decided I wanted to continue with Hebrew, like after Hebrew school. And I did that up until high school. I finished Hebrew high and it was great. I always felt like I had that strong sense of Jewish identity, but also going through the secular education as well. Right. And what were some of the things your family was doing in your home in terms of how they celebrated holidays or were they doing anything as far as going to shul regularly? Oh, yeah. We are a very traditional family. So we grew up going to a conservative synagogue in our town. Every Shabbos, we would go to shul. But then after we would, you know, especially when I was in high school, I would go to the mall on Saturday or go to the movies with friends. Um, We would celebrate every holiday together. And Friday night dinner was the most important dinner to be at, especially in my high school years, because of all the extracurriculars that we ended up doing, we always had to be at the Friday night dinner table as a family. And just going to shul every Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, but it didn't stop there. It We went every holiday, Pesach, but definitely going every Saturday to synagogue. Well, so in all honesty, you were ahead of a lot of people I've interviewed. For someone who wasn't raised like fully Orthodox, you were doing a lot of things that people I've spoken to before either hadn't heard of, like you just said, Shavuos, Tisha B'Av, like things like that. I think a lot of people who are conservative or reformed would never have heard of until they got further along in their journey. Definitely. I attribute that also to like my parents because they instilled a value of Judaism. I remember like growing up, my parents would, whenever we would go to sleep, my mom would always say like, marry a nice Jewish boy. And we knew that we were Jewish. We had a love of Judaism. We might not have been as observant as like the people in our town that like went to yeshiva or or things like that. So did you know Orthodox people? Like, were you aware that even though you were doing a lot, there was this whole other level? Or you didn't know about that till you got more into it yourself? In my town, we had the conservative temple, but we also had Chabad. And I did know that Orthodoxy existed, but I guess not until I really got to college. Okay, good. And we're going to get to college in a minute after we get to David's story. But I want to ask you one quick follow-up. 
This idea that you went to like Hebrew high school, you often hear that when someone has their bar or bat mitzvah, that's like the end of the line in terms of their Jewish education or their involvement in Judaism, unless they choose to become more religious later on. What was motivating you to stay involved with it once you passed that big milestone of the bat mitzvah age? So going back, we were kind of like the religious family in our shul. So we were always the ones like who were looked up to um, on our sukkah hop. We were the house that everyone would come to to go to the sukkah and things like that. But I felt that I needed to continue my like Jewish journey and I always felt a connection. So I wanted to not just stop at the bat mitzvah. I wanted to keep going on my bat mitzvah. Actually, it was January 1st, 2000. It was kind of crazy. You know, Y2K is the world going to continue on. I had family who went to Times Square the, the night before. It was a Saturday. And I remember, you know, reading Torah and things like that. I was, I leaned the Parsha and, and my, actually my whole family leaned different aspects of the Parsha. But after the Bat Mitzvah, I didn't want anything to stop. I felt like I needed to continue on and I just felt a connection to Judaism and I needed to make sure that I still went to Hebrew high school. Let's pause your story now for a minute and give David a chance to catch up and get up through high school. So David, where does your story begin? So I grew up right here where we are sitting now in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I grew up here. My parents came from very different backgrounds themselves. So my father came from Holocaust survivors and they came to New Jersey and wanted to, you know, start a new life and ensure that their children continued to live an Orthodox life. They very much maintained their, their observant uh life and, and lifestyle. My mother's side of the family came from a very unaffiliated side. And in fact, my mom likes to tell the story where she met my father and they were you know, going to get married. And my grandpa, my mother's father said, they're going to ask you to go into this thing called a mikvah. You don't want to do it. It's, <laughs> I don't know what he said about it, but he's just don't do it. And my mom didn't know what to expect. And turns out it, it wasn't a big deal at all. So she didn't know why he made a big deal of it. But uh, just they came from a very different side where she didn't know anything. And she actually learned a lot herself just marrying my father and they chose to to raise myself and my sister in a way that you know we would be knowledgeable that we would have a jewish education so they sent us to yavne and frisch you know these modern orthodox yeshiva day schools here in the area in paramus and that was very important to them at the same time while we had that modern orthodox education we uh, did go to a conservative shul here in town. I would like to think it was a conservadox or a right wing. I, I like to simplify it and say, you know, you wouldn't know that it was conservative, except for the fact that it was mixed seating. There's no mechitza. Beyond that, you know, it was it was non-egalitarian. Uh, I think it still is non-egalitarian, but it was conservative in the end. And Shabbos was important in the sense that we would go to shul uh, every week. And we would come home Friday night from shul. We would drive home, but we would drive home from shul. We would have uh, Shabbos dinner, Kiddush, Chala, uh, have the meal, and then, you know, we'd go back to TV. And then Shabbos morning, we'd drive to shul, have that whole experience. And then I might drive to a friend's house, have a play date or something like that. So there was definitely a mix where Shabbos was important. You'd have all the important, you know, Minhagim and going to shul and all those experiences. But then there was the other side, too. 
So did any of that feel like right or wrong to you? Like you mentioned about driving home from shul or going to friends' houses. Was it just, well, that's what my family does? Or were you thinking, should I be doing this? Were you asking those questions when you were growing up? I didn't feel that anything was wrong. I was I was young, you know, I was experiencing life the way it was presented to me. I definitely knew that there were different worlds, having the modern Orthodox and the conservative. You know, I'd go to USY, I got involved with, with USY as my social outlet outside of school. And then I'd have my school life, of course. And so there was definitely two different worlds and I was comfortable and knew how to live in both of them. And you just mentioned school and you talked about Yavna and Frisch. So were you aware within the school, like there were probably were families that were fully Orthodox, families that were more conservative. Could you sense which families were which way? And did that like impact who became friends with who and who had playdates with who? It was very easy to identify, you know, where everyone fell on the spectrum of uh, observance. And I had, you know, my friends that were more observant, my friends that were less observant. I, I think actually it was always a very easy thing for me to sense. But but it's just the way it was. There was no judgment. There was no, you know, someone's better or worse. It's just these are the families that uh, come to the school, I guess. And I think with that education, going back to shul, you know, because I had that yeshiva day school education, I was able to be more active at shul. Like once I was bar mitzvah, I was doing, uh, I was I was looking forward to when the rabbi would have me daven shacharis or musaf. And I was like one of the first kids that would do anims miros and would do it way more often than most other kids. So I liked that. I always enjoyed singing and, and performing. And it was something that I had advantage an advantage to. So were there any discussions within your family? You mentioned how your parents came from different backgrounds about becoming more religious as a family as you were growing up, or you kind of just settled on this sort of middle space between conservative and orthodox, and it was just a comfort level within your family there for, for your whole childhood? Yeah, no conversation. It was, they kind of found that middle ground between the two of them and how they were going to raise my sister and I. I think more conversations came about as I became more religious in my adult life and how that was going to play out and how our relationships would pan out from there. Okay, so we're at a good point now. We've taken both of you through high school, so let's bring you into the college years, which brings us back now to Shira. So how did you think about where you wanted to go to college and what role Judaism was going to play in that choice? So as previously said, I was very adamant about finding a college that had a big Jewish life on campus and also not so far from home just because I'm very much a homebody. So I settled on Rutgers University and I'm so happy I did. I immediately got involved with the Rutgers Hillel. I was the president of Koach, which is their conservative sect on, on campus. I lived at Rutgers. I don't know if you're familiar. I lived on Douglas campus. So that was a good like 10 minute bus ride away from the main campus and I would take the bus from Douglas campus to the main campus and um, go to on on Saturday just to go to Hillel after freshman year I then ended up getting a house right off the main campus with non-Jewish roommates and just maintained going to Hillel and made my presence known. So at this point in your story, like I can hear clearly that you're staying connected to Judaism, but this is not yet the moment where you're thinking I actually might want to take on Shabbos or like any of these other things. You're not there yet, right? Not yet. It's very close. um, (laughs) And I I can tell you exactly when that happened. I don't know if you want to know that now. So we'll we'll leave that as a cliffhanger for a moment. I'm going to take a wild guess that David somehow may have chosen Rutgers as well. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, it's, I don't want to say it wasn't a choice, but my father is an alumnus. My sister went to Rutgers. So it, it kind of felt like it was destined for me to go. I also wasn't on the main campus. Uh, I went to Livingston College, Livingston campus at Rutgers. So I was also um, kind of forced to take a bus if I wanted to uh, to get to campus. I, I do want to say, though, that leaving high school, I didn't go to yeshiva. That was an option. You know, a lot of people did, but I was ready to go right to Rutgers, right to college and get, you know, closer to the next that next step. I unfortunately didn't really value going to Yavna and Frisch at the time as much as I would have liked in retrospect. I, I think it was a great opportunity, like I said earlier, but I just didn't really value it or appreciate it to the point that I should have. So I, I didn't take the opportunity to go to yeshiva and I went straight to Rutgers. And where are you holding religiously at this point? Oh hmm. man. So so as I went to Rutgers, I think I, I was going further off than I was even in high school. College can do that to a person I've learned. I don't want to get into the details, but let's just say I wasn't uh, religious. I strayed even further off from where I was prior to that. And I, I don't, it's like, this is where I transition from the, you know, going to college really far off to that turn. And I, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for helping to guide the interview. It's like, I can sense yeah. at the, at the, the meaty portion uh, of our discussion. So I'll, I'll give the two of you the opportunity to figure out how you want to describe how you come into each other's lives and how you go from where you're holding religiously to taking on more. So who wants to take a first crack at, at helping our listeners understand that part of your story? Do you want to go first, David? Sure, sure. So he's like chomping at the bit. To go. <laughs> well, I think I think the story started a little bit before I met Shira. Yeah. So I I was at Rutgers. <laughs> I'm off the derech. Then I wanna I, I wanna take advantage of birthright, right? You know, every Jewish person, if they can, should take advantage of this amazing trip. Why not? So I, I've never been to Israel. I sign up to go on birthright through Hillel, and I go on the trip. I come back and I and I'm actually disappointed. I, I I thought that there would be more of a Jewish element to it, and I know that there are a lot of birthright trips that have that. But the one that I went on was more about the land of Israel, you know, heritage, and I just remember coming back feeling that I was wanting more on the spiritual side, and so I found another trip to Israel that wasn't free, but it was practically free for what they were offering. It was like over a week and, you know, it was, it was a really good deal, but I have to meet with some rabbi first. Now, I didn't know about the concept of Kirov, but it made enough sense that a rabbi was organizing this. So I figured I'll, I'll just tell this guy what he wants to hear. Uh, and so, you know, he's, he's asking me about myself and I'm like, yeah, I, I went to Frisch and I go to Hillel on Friday nights and I really want to go to Israel. And he goes, you know, I'm not so sure if this is the right trip for you. And I go, I am a waiter at Fridays. I drive to Hillel on Friday nights. <laughs> and he goes, OK, OK, I, I think maybe we can make an exception for you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit. I, I'm able to go on this this Kirov trip. I'm also uh, at the same time at Rutgers. I've got a, an intramural softball team going. You know, I'm, I'm going to go on this trip. But I have to take care of business first and finish out the softball season. I, I had an, a vacancy on the team. It was a co-ed league, and I needed at least two girls on my team to play. And uh, one of my friends said, hey, uh, a shout out to, to Judah Lowenstein. 
uh, he said, hey, uh, I, this girl, Shira, she can play softball. And I'm trying to think, oh, I, I remember Shira Kirsch from USY. I, I know her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's reach out to her. Do you want to take over at this point? <laughs> so I guess from my standpoint, I started playing the softball league. I saw this guy that I also recognized from USY. But prior to that, I remember sitting in the Hillel building during one of the board meetings for the executive board for all of the different like departments on the Hillel board. And I also remember on the other side of this like sliding wall in the in the Hillel building, there was a meeting going on and it was called the Rutgers Jewish Experience. And I found myself kind of listening more towards the wall instead of actually paying attention to what was going on in uh, the board meeting that I was supposed to be attending. And I left the board meeting and I met outside with one of my friends and he said, you know what, this Rutgers Jewish experience, they're going on an Israel trip. It's subsidized. Um, you just have to meet with one of the rabbis and see if you can qualify to go. So um, that's when I met with the rabbis and kind of figured out that I would be eligible to go. But I found out that David on the softball team was also going to be going on this trip. So I was like, okay, this is actually going to be really awesome because this guy who seems like a nice guy is going on the strip. Maybe we can kind of see if we mesh a little bit. Wow. So you went from kind of knowing of each other to being on the same softball team and going on the same trip, like all within a very short time frame. Correct. I would say, well, we knew of each like. David is two years older than me, so we were in USY. We weren't in the same grade. We just knew of each other, but then we kind of reconnected uh, when we got on the softball team. And then, you know, we, we, we end up on this trip, and we're sitting on the bus with each other every day. <laughs> <laughs> and the same rabbi that I was referring to before he's seeing this and he's like, you know, David, I, I, this trip, it's, it's an opportunity for you to focus on yourself and to grow. And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. I, I, you're right. And we just happen to still be with each other. Shira and I talking and getting to know each other even more despite that. And then like a day or two later, he goes, you know what? Focus on yourself and on Shira. <laughs> and, and that was his like green light to his bracha to pursue everything. <laughs> wow. So now this trip, opens up two things for you, the fact that you like each other and the fact that you might want to do more Jewish-wise? Correct. I think it was also a blessing in disguise for the fact that we were able to not only work on our relationship, but also grow together as a couple, both spiritually and emotionally. Yeah. I was going to tap into that spiritual side I wasn't planning on coming back a different person, so to speak. But that point was actually at the Arizal Mikvah in Svat. You know, I'm going in. It's not the the most spiritual th experience as you're going through it, If you, you know, if you're keeping your eyes open and looking <laughs> around. But, uh, you know, I, I do it. I go with, into the Arizal Mikvah. I remember it's freezing. I come out. You know, I dry off. I get dressed. I come outside. And then I just start uncontrollably bawling. I'm, I'm just emotional. I can't control myself. I, I didn't see it coming, came out of nowhere. 
And I realized it was my neshama just screaming and crying out and saying, you've always known the truth. And I, and I, I admit, I've always been a spiritual person, even in my lowest points, but it, it just was saying you knew the truth the whole time. Uh, now it's time to do something about it. And, and that was the moment that I, I kind of committed to myself to make some changes. Got it. And Shira, did you have some kind of moment like that on the trip as well? Or was it like the whole experience overall? I think it was the whole experience overall. Like David said, I also went on the Hillel birthright trip. That was more about like seeing the land. When I went on the Rutgers Jewish Experience Kiruv trip, again, I didn't know what Kiruv was. I didn't even think of that. But we went to Harnof and we got to see like how these religious people were living. And it was just such a special moment to me and such a like... I guess, life-changing moment to realize that these people are so connected to not only their families, which is such a huge aspect of my life even before becoming more observant, but also to Hashem. And I wanted to make sure that I instilled those values in my life going forward. So just seeing people like living their daily lives in Israel just made me like kind of change my outlook going forward as well. So I could see how you could get like really inspired while you're in Israel. And it's probably like a great time for the beginning of a relationship because you're kind of away from all the regular stressors of your life. But then you come back to Rutgers. So at that point, where where are you holding as a couple? And are the things you now start to take on either individually or together Jewish wise? So you hit the nail on the head. I think that was probably the hardest thing to go back to reality. I remember leaving Israel. David actually, from that trip, we officially made it official, so to speak, that we would start dating. And David was going to extend his trip, um, visit some family that he had in Israel. But I had to go back to the States because my sister was getting married. And I remember getting off the plane and telling my parents, I can't hug my uncle or, or things like that because now I am like super religious. Looking back, that was like probably the worst thing I could have done. Um, But, you know, I learned from my mistakes and it was really, really hard. I remember also like spending Shabbos at my parents' house and one of those first weeks being home and literally like sitting in my room by myself while everybody else was downstairs. I could have gone downstairs and hung out with everyone, even though the TV was on. That's fine. But I felt like I needed to kind of seclude myself and make it more of like a holier experience if I was alone in my room. Again, also not the smartest thing for me to do because Shalom Bias is one of the most important things that I should have done. So, you know, in retrospect, I could have gone about it a completely different way. But keeping up the religiosity and the observance levels while you're back at Rutgers was really, really hard. But I think doing it together with David gave us a sense of strength. So what are the things that you're now taking on as a couple? And also, if you can mix into this, like, what are you each studying? What are you hoping to do career-wise upon graduation? So when I first started at Rutgers, I thought I was going to become a teacher. And then I realized that I probably wasn't going to get a job. Um, So I chose the role of occupational therapy because I realized how fitting it is to be a religious Jew and also maintain my career. 
Right. And David, what are you studying and planning to be? I didn't have any plans in the first half of college. I found, you know, social sciences was interesting to me, psychology, communication. And so there wasn't much of a plan. I got a youth director job out of college and that morphed into a customer support job where I was answering phones, emails, taking orders. And at that job, I kind of took the liberty to take on becoming the expert in the technology. And that is what bridged to my current career in customer success, where we reduce churn, we keep the customers, we keep the business at our company. And and I really do enjoy it. And I'm so blessed thinking about not having much direction or a, even of a plan and, and being able to get where I am now. It's I don't think it's coincidence. I, I really think that I'm being taken care of and Hashem's kind of guiding me through things, but I'm really loving what I do and have so much more uh, purpose in it. And so the other piece of the story, now that we have a sense of where you were going career-wise, you come back from Israel while you're in college. Do you now decide not only are we a couple, but we're going to start keeping Shabbos? Or is there like a list of things you now take on together? Yeah, I think we were very much on the same page. We were going through this at the very same time, trying to make the same decisions as a team. We, we kind of just, dis- I remember we discussed what things do you think would be easier for you off the bat? What things are going to be more challenging or difficult? And we wanted to make sure we were on the same page with that. You know, Shabbos, I think, came, was first. Certain elements of Kashrus were, were harder but came later, but we did it as a team and that support system made it so much more uh, feasible. Did you have somebody guiding you? Was there a rabbi involved who was teaching you along the way, like what you should take on and when? I, w- I want to shout out uh, to Rabbi Mayor Goldberg, who I know you just uh, interviewed. Mm-hmm. He's got the Rutgers Jewish Experience program still going full steam. At the time, Rabbi Yoshua Lewis, who's working with Mayor now, and uh, Rabbi Yossi Sirota, the three of them were all always available to us and guiding us. We saw what Shabbos was like with a family, everyone by the table and, and being together. We, we saw what we wanted in our lives, basically. And so we had the three rabbis from RJX, and we also had so many different people in the community to turn to for perspective and, and to kind of show us what we wanted in our lives. And to add to that, like I immersed myself in people's homes and just observed how they ran their kitchen and, you know, learned how to keep a kosher home just by observing, asking questions, helping out, helping with Shabbos uh, prep and, and things like that. I like how you're saying that you had like a rabbi guiding you and also what you were learning from people's homes. One of the most challenging things for me as I was getting started is trying to learn like what's a law and what's a minhag. And like Orthodox people would have so much fun messing with me, like we'd be doing Kiddush and they would sit. And then I would say, is that what you're supposed to do? Or that's what you do in your family? (laughs) And they would like have so much fun with me, like saying, no, no, you have to do that. Or they'd cut the challah like a certain way and be like, that's how you have to do it. And then I would do it. And they said, no, no, that was just a min hug. (laughs) So like, how were you figuring out like what was what along the way? There's like so much nuance to it. Still figuring it out. Yeah, still. (laughs) We all Uh are. Like one example that just popped in my head when when we moved to Fairlawn after years of living in the Highland Park Edison community, I realized that you know there are people that don't use my macronim. I I thought everyone does it because everyone did it in that community, and you know I I still am, am picking up things that are minhagim and and that definitely 
was a struggle was, um, you know, you're learning all of these things, but not differentiating what is halacha and what is minhag. I just assumed everything was halacha unless told otherwise. <laughs> uh, piggybacking off of that, I think the the hardest thing for me also was, you know, learning all of the halakha, so to speak, for Taras and Mishpacha. And everything that I learned, I thought was halakha, but actually some of them were humras. So when moving to Farallon, you know, that topic kind of can be taboo. You don't always talk about it at the Shabbos table, things like that. So finding a good mentor here to kind of guide me to kind of say like, oh, no, you, that is a humra that you don't have to do that um, versus the other things that you do have to do. And and I love knowing that it's a khumra to see all these people make that decision, but it's good to know that it's a khumra. It, you know, you need to know that to appreciate that people are choosing to go to that level. In retrospect, I would love to, you know, if, if there's somebody coming up that's becoming a bal tshuva or something and, and they're learning all these things, I would want for them to know from the start all these differentiations to know what's halacha and what's beyond that for them. And how did each of your families feel as you were becoming more religious together? You each referenced your families at different points in the interview, but when you've made this decision to be together and that you want to be Orthodox together, how are your families reacting? (laughs) So I guess I'll go first. Um, I just remember coming home for Shabbos with David. First of all, my family fell in love with David like right away. They were just so happy for me that I found literally my Beshert. But I remember coming home one day, my brother was visiting and I had my shaitel in a box and he took it out and he put it on his head and he looked like (laughs) a literal 80s rocker. Um, And, you know, also the fact that like they probably initially thought, oh, maybe this is just a fad. Um, You know, Shira will grow out of it. And I think the reason why, again, going back to me coming home from Israel and, and kind of like going really far to the right, they probably were like very shocked initially. But I think I kind of mellowed out in a way, found my way and realized what is most important. And that is family for me. So now they know, and my parents are just beyond thrilled seeing David and I and raising our kids, and they're just so happy. It's actually a fairly common story you hear from people that there's like a little tension at the beginning with the parents, and then often like when grandkids come into the picture, they start to see what the whole community thing is about, then parents come around to it. Yeah, it's really beautiful to see like... You know, my parents came to our synagogue a handful of times in Farallon, and every time they come, they're just like, this is such a wonderful community, and we're so happy that you have found the perfect community for you guys. And it's true. And our kids are happy. We're happy. We, we're just, we're loving life right now. <laughs> and David, your family? I think there was a little concern in the beginning. It was mostly over safety. My father, from parents that experienced the ultimate in anti-Semitism, he wanted to make sure I wasn't keeping my tzitzis untucked and wearing my keep on the train. And there was concern that maybe they'd be treated differently because they're not as religious as we are. But ultimately, as they saw our kids come up, they're just so happy with how our, our children are doing today. They're, I think there's just no hesitation at all. They're just extremely pleased and ecstatic with the family. 
And so what have you been telling your kids or plan to tell them as they get older about how you've chosen to raise them versus how each of you were raised? You know, I think that actually like has already started because we we still go to my parents' house for Shabbos and my siblings are there with their kids and they go about their regular Shabbos or Saturday activities. And my our kids are old enough to realize like, oh, how come they're leaving or how come they're driving and we're not. And we just remind them this is something special that we do. We want to make sure that our love of Hashem stays strong and also sending our kids to yeshiva is helping out it, it's hard for me honestly like doing homework with them sometimes but um, making sure that we just instill those values so that this way there's no real question for them going forward our oldest daughter Esty, is nine years old and she's really so bright and understands a lot and you know I, i'm honest with her I find honesty is the easiest way to, to do this stuff. And, and I say, Esti, some people, they may be Jewish, but they, they may choose not to keep some of the mitzvahs that Hashem wants us to keep. And I, and I make clear, like Hashem wants us to keep his Torah. And he's so happy that we're doing that and that we're a good example for other Jewish people. But not everybody does it. And so, you know, all we can do is what we think is the right thing, what we know is the right thing to do. That's beautifully said. And so before we go into our lightning round, to close out the interview, I just want to ask the two of you, clearly you have shown that you're a growth-oriented couple. So what's on the list for each of you growth-wise that you want to see happen for you, your families over the next few years? I wanted to actually make mention of this, is that one of my biggest concerns in the beginning of our journey, and still today, is about my children. If I'm not you know, a Talmud Chacham, how, how am I going to expect my children to be able to learn Torah on their own? And uh, it's still a concern of mine today. As their homework gets harder and harder, you know, how are we going to get them through that? I really think about this a lot, and I know that I have a lot more to do. Fortunately, Rabbi Shua Katz has uh, moved into uh, to town at uh, Darche Noam, Rabbi Donath Shul, and he started up a base medrash program, and there's a lot of chavrusa learning. I have a lot on the docket for myself that I'm hoping I can lay over to my children. But that's the biggest thing is being able to know enough so that I can help my children get through it as well. Okay. And Shira? I think also, you know, making sure that they are comfortable and strong in their belief system, making sure that I'm strong in my belief system and going through it together, I think is going to be the biggest aspect. Like making sure David and I are on the same page throughout, I think that also will be number one factor. If you saw Esty, my nine-year-old's face on Simcha's Torah, you wouldn't be too concerned because she was absolutely loving everything. I, I saw like her lifetime memories getting locked in place at that moment. And so th that was just a great feeling. And I I'm looking forward to more of those for all of my children. Yeah. By the way, I always tell my kids that I cannot help you with 50% of your homework, like anything that's Judaic <laughs> studies, but I will try to make up for it in math and English and science because yes. I had like a strong secular education. So I try to give yes. them like double help there. Exactly. And some people can't even say that. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I really, really have loved hearing your story. And we like to close our interviews with the lightning round. So I guess you guys can buzz in or decide who's going to take each of these questions. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, so one of the things, Shira, you actually said in the interview in terms of like thinking about where you're going to go to college, and David, you referenced this also, like the importance of do you go to like a yeshiva university type college or do you go to a secular college? So how important do you think that choice is for someone who's starting to get onto the religious path? 
if they're starting their religious path, I think finding a college with a large Jewish population, but also the Ma'or programming really helped guide us. So making sure even if it's a large university, I think that versus like going to YU, I think they're going to really like not thrive at that type of university because they may not know what to do and things like that. They need the guidance. They need somebody kind of to hold their hand, so to speak. Okay. And both of you talked about your relationship with your parents along your journey. So what's like a number one tip you would give to someone who's becoming more more religious on how to stay close with their parents? Make sure that they make clear that uh, they're family first and that will never change. And, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to be the least bit religious if your parents didn't bring you into this world. So you owe them everything. That's going to score a lot of points with your parents. You should make it, <laughs> make it clear with your parents that you know that verbally. It's not just thinking it, but saying it to them. Okay, so I'd like to ask our guests about a specialty Shabbos dish. And I'm often interviewing someone who lives nowhere near me. But the fact that you're in Fairlawn, when I hear this question, this actually could come to fruition if I get a Shabbos invite from you guys. <laughs> so what's the specialty dish? Uh, Jeff, I'd like to give this one to Shira. <laughs> <laughs> I make a mean schnitzel. Uh-huh. Why? What makes it yeah. so special? It's the way that you prepare it. And I learned this from going to one of Susie Fishbein's cooking demos. You have to do flour, then the wet ingredient, so egg or duck sauce, and then bread it. And then you fry it until it's brown, but not completely cooked through. And then you could put it in the oven so that this way it gets nice and juicy. All right. I'll take three of those. Thank you. Okay, you got it. All right. Last question. Is there a book, a podcast, shears that you listen to, like something you'd recommend for someone who's like feeling inspired and wants to connect with something that will help them? That's not Saturday to Shabbos. (laughs) I wasn't fishing for a shout out. We know we're on Saturday (laughs) Shabbos, but thank you. (laughs) Hmm. It's too much pressure. Should just end it right there. David and Shira, you are out of the lightning round. I want to thank you both for joining me on Saturday to Shabbos. Thank you so much for having us. Jeff, thank you so much. This was great. Saturday to Shabbos is produced by Gary Wallach. Our theme music is by Paul Uden. To learn more about us, please visit taklismedia.com. That's T-A-C-H-L-I-S-Media.com. Tell us what you think about what you've heard or suggest a story we should know about by emailing Shabbos at TachlisMedia.com. I'm Jeff Cohen. Thanks for listening. Please check with us often for more stories of inspiring Jewish journeys. Saturday to Shabbos is a Tachlis Media podcast.